Hello and welcome to the Fossil Huntress podcast. Today on the show we're going to talk about hadrosaurs or duck-billed dinosaurs. These were a group of very successful plant eaters that thrived in western Canada during the Cretaceous. And if you were to get out to our sister province of uh, Alberta and head down to the south and scour the badlands of southern Alberta, most of the dinosaur material you would find would be from hadrosaurs. Hadrosaurs lived as part of a herd. They liked to dine on pine needles and horsetails and twigs and flowering plants. They were ornitians, so they are part of an extinct clad of mainly herbivorous, so mainly plant-eating dinosaurs. And they have a pelvic girdle, a pelvic, pelvic structure that was superficially similar to that of birds. Um, they're close relatives and possible descendants of the earlier iguanodonid dinosaurs. And they had slightly webbed feet, kind of camel-like feet, with pads on the bottom, so that would have cushioned their steps. And maybe that little bit of webbing would have given them a, a bit of extra p- propulsion in water if they were near a, near a lake. They were primarily terrestrial, but they did enjoy feeding on plants near and in shallow water. So I kind of picture them not not spending a super amount of time swimming around in the water, but hanging around that lake or swamp edge, having a tasty snick. And they had a very sturdy uh, and stiff tail, and they had a really robust bone structure. Hadrosaur finds are very rare in British Columbia, but as I mentioned, they're a very common fossil in our uh, provincial neighbor, Alberta, to the east. And here, along with the rest of the world, they were more abundant than seropods and a relatively common fossil find. Um, We find their remains in uh, Upper Cretaceous deposits in Europe, in Asia, in North America, and we have oodles of very tasty specimens and data to work with. So we've got skin impressions and scale patterns from at least 10 different species, and we've also got some interesting pathological specimens. So something went, went wrong in their life when they continued to grow, so it tells us, um, gives us insights into hadrosaur behavior. Hadrosaurs had teeth arranged in stacks designed, perfectly designed for crushing and grinding plant material, similar to how you might picture a cow munching away on grass in in a field. And these complex rows of dental batteries contained up to 300 individual teeth. And even though they had a great number, we rarely see them as individual specimens. I'll post a photo from Derek Kersey on the Fossil Huntress blog of a, of a rare single tooth from a hadrosaur. And the reason we don't see hadrosaur teeth, and if you go to a beach site like Florida, it's littered with shark's teeth. So they had multiple layers of teeth and they shed them quite often. But in the case of hadrosaurs, they typically didn't shed those teeth very often. They ground them away to almost nothing. So. Um, Older teeth that are normally shed in our general understanding of vertebrate dentition were resorbed, meaning that their wee osteoclasts broke down the tooth tissue and reabsorbed all those yummy minerals and calcium. In hadrosaurs, 
the root of the tooth formed part of the grinding surface as opposed to a crown covering over the core of the tooth. And curiously, they developed this dental arrangement from their embryonic state through to hatchling and then to full adult. There's some great work being done by folks like Aaron LeBlanc and David Evans on the histology of hadrosaurid teeth. So they take a look at them in cross-section and look at the development in tissues and then analyze that and compare it to the growth series of these teeth, kind of like rings of a tree, to find out how these complex tooth batteries are formed. And they, under, they undertook some study in comparing these dental batteries to, to um, other species like archosaurs and mammals. And they're using these comparisons to pinpoint the shift in the ancestral reptilian pattern of tooth ontogeny that allowed hadrosaurids to form these complex dental batteries. I've got a post coming up on the blog and I'll put a link in there um, to the research that they've been up to and a summary from um, John Tennant taking a look at the work they've been doing. As well as working on the dentition of hadrosaurs and their dental batteries, David Evans is also working on a very special find to BC. It is the first hadrosauroid found in the Comox Valley. So as you know, our neighbors to the, to the east in Alberta have a hadrosaur every few feet, but this is a very rare and special find for us. Years ago, maybe about 14 years ago, Mike Trask from the Vancouver Island Paleontological Society was out collecting on the Trent River. And you may recall that it was Mike who found the elasmosaur on the Puntledge. He found some bones and we assumed at the time that they were from a marine reptile, probably from a plesiosaur. And they stayed encased in rock. We had a caudal vertebra and a, and a few other bits and pieces. And they were put on display at the Courtney Museum and mislabeled, um, understandably, as a unidentified plesiosaur. And then back in 2016, after years of collecting dust and praise in equal measure, the bones were re-examined. And they didn't quite match what we'd expect from a marine reptile, so we um, reached out to Shino Sigomoto, a fossil preparator who is genius, to work her magic and painstakingly prep out that caudal vertebra. When David took a look, he immediately recognized that it is a hadrosaurid, a um, partial duck-billed dinosaur, and we're looking forward to that publication, hopefully later this year or in 2021, um, and it's a very exciting find for BC. So I'll publish more on that on the blog. I'll also put um, that rare hadrosauroid tooth um, so you can see an image of that, and I'll talk to you very soon. Take care and thanks for joining me.